Hello, all you wonderful listeners. Today on Rise Up, we have a nationally known doctor of dermatology. She has appeared in the Wall Street Journal, Shape, Prevention, Parents, and Good Housekeeping. She is a past president of the Arkansas Dermatologic Society and is currently on the editorial board for the Journal of the Arkansas Medical Society and Practical Dermatology. She has two patents for the novel treatments for warts, participated in more than 30 clinical trials, and published more than 60 scientific articles. Raised in Northeast Ohio, she is a graduate from Northeastern Ohio University College of Medicine. She is certified with the American Board of Dermatology. Today, we welcome Dr. Sandy Johnson. Thank you so much, Julie, for having me on your show. Thank you for being here. So the theme of the podcast episode is the science of beauty, and you are highly qualified to discuss this topic. What happens to the skin as we age? So we get, our skin ages from just the number of birthday candles on our cake. So we call that chronological aging. And that is just from the number of years you live. It's, it's influenced by your genetics. The bigger thing is our environmental aging. And so those are the things that determine how quickly we age or how beneficial or not as pretty aging happens to us. So if somebody uses a lot of tobacco products or has a lot of sun exposure or exposed to a lot of environmental toxins or stress, that ages us a lot more aggressively and more damagingly than just the number of birthday candles on our cake. So whether it's genetic or environmental, Mm -hmm. is there a way to turn back the clock? We, we do not have the fountain of youth, but we do have many tricks at our, at our disposal. And we're blessed that at Johnson Dermatology, we are one of the top injectors in the country for many of the um, products such as Botox and Juvederm, Restylin, um, Juvo. We offer quite a few of those, and we have probably more than 15 devices that can give your skin and body energy kisses. So not just lasers, but other devices that can help turn back the time. Okay, let's talk about environmental. Mm-hmm. I know that we should all be wearing sunscreen on a daily basis. Yeah. Is there, there's chemical sunscreen and there's physical barriers, sunscreens. Explain the difference of between those two. Very good question, Julie. So there are physical blockers and chemical sunscreens. I am a big proponent of physical blockers. And there's two main ingredients for physical blockers. One is titanium dioxide and the other is zinc oxide. And you might remember zinc oxide is also found in diaper cream ointment. Mm. So if you don't even have sunblock, you can just use a little bit of diaper cream and that protects you. Kind of interesting, but physical blockers are the best. And the reason I like them is they really form a barrier to your skin so they don't allow the sun or the environmental toxins to penetrate. A chemical sunblock actually chemically interacts with the UV and causes changes. And so those are the ones that are not necessarily as considered safe. So the government has created something called grass, which is generally regarded as safe and effective. And the physical blockers are definitely grass, but some of the chemical ones are not. Some of the chemical sunscreens are also not very safe for the environment. They're not necessarily harmful, but they're not necessarily grass or safe and effective. So you gave key ingredients there. What are, as far as skincare, Mm -hmm. what are the key ingredients that people should look for to protect their skin, anti-aging? What is effective and what is just 
marketing. Fluff and bluff, yes. Mm-hmm. So I love to discuss skincare, skincare products, skincare ingredients. And I really like the way you asked that question. It's the ingredients that matter, not the name of the product necessarily. So some people will buy very expensive skincare products that might make a lot of claims or might just have somebody's name on it, but don't necessarily work. So ingredients are really what matter. When it comes to trying to look good forever, there's that old phrase, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. And that is so true even when it comes to skincare and skincare products. So I'm glad you asked the first question about sun avoidance and sun um, protection. When it comes to being fully smart, we say to adopt sun smart behaviors. So that means avoiding the peak sun between 10 a.m. and 4 p.m., seeking shade as much as possible, Wearing sun protective clothing. I think everybody needs a bikini like mine. It's long sleeves, mock turtleneck, long pants. It looks good on everybody, regardless of your size and shape, and it really, really protects. If you want to be really cool, you can even get the accessories. I have sun gloves, sun booties for my feet, a big floppy sun hat, and sun protective glasses. So if you do that, you really don't need too much sun um, blocks or sunscreen because you're really protected with clothing. And that is has a UPF factor or ultraviolet protection factor. Then if you're asking me which products are the best to use to prevent damage, I'm gonna tell you, don't just look at SPF. Um, SPF is what protects you from UVB. You also want to protect against UVA because those are the long wavelength ultraviolet rays that actually penetrate to the dermis and tear up that collagen and make you look wrinkly. So you want to also make sure you're protecting against UVA. And then there's an um, infrared radiation that you also want to protect against. And then the biggest thing that we're seeing so much damage from is blue screens in that high energy um, light. And so if you sit in front of your computer all day, your iPad, your phone, you're causing so much damage. Our son, for example, is a, a gamer. He plays on a college esports team, and I noticed that he was having some trouble sleeping. So we bought him some glasses to protect from blue light, and it really improved his sleep. I also mm-hmm. make sure he uses a product every day that has blue light protection in it. And so that ingredient is iron oxides. And there are different colors of iron oxides that protect different parts of the blue light spectrum, but you definitely want something that's a physical blocker and has iron oxides in it to protect against that blue light. Will it will it say on the front if it protects you from that? Um, it or do you have to look at the ingredients? It, you might want to make sure to look at the ingredients. So the three ingredients I look for for a protection product are either titanium dioxide or zinc oxide or a combination of the two of them. And some of them can be encapsulated also, which gives you another layer of barrier, but that's a little complicated. So you just want to make sure you have titanium dioxide or zinc oxide and or both, and then some iron oxides to protect against that blue light. Okay, so that is our first step. Then how, how, what should we look for in moisturizers or for preventative? Great question. 
So I like to create protocols for people, and I don't think skincare needs to be a 12-step program. I, I don't have time for that. You probably don't have time for that either. You're such a busy, successful woman. So the first step in the morning would be to use a gentle cleanser, and cleansers do not have to be expensive. So something plain is great. You don't want something with a lot of ingredients. So the brands I like in that are like Cetaphil, CeraVe, Aveeno, Neutrogena, something just gentle cleansing. You really don't want anything that's going to scrub your face and you really don't want any toners. In the old days, soaps used to be a different pH and so you'd have to use a toner to bring your skin back to the proper pH, but now you don't have to do that. So toners really just dehydrate the skin. So you really just need a gentle cleanser in the morning, no toner, no astringent. And then if you have a problem area such as acne or Um, brown spots or rosacea, then you would use your treatment product. And then after that, you want to use your protection product. And so like we talked about already, you have something with titanium dioxide, zinc oxide, and iron oxides. And then at night, you want to use your gentle cleanser again. And then again, if you have a treatment product, you want to use that. And then retinol, this is my favorite ingredient, the topical vitamin A. Almost every dermatologist since the 70s has used topical retinol of some sort because it passively exfoliates the dead skin. So it increases that cell turnover. So that helps with discolorations, preventing precancers, keeps that skin looking fresh and dewy, as well as stimulates some of the collagen underneath. And so if you wanted to be, I would say probably better than 80% of the population, use your protection in the morning and your retinol at night. You also asked about moisturizers. So you could mix your moisturizer with your retinol at night, or you can use your moisturizer before your sun protection in the morning. And for moisturizers, again, that is not something you want to spend a lot of money on. All moisturizers are a combination of oil and water. So a thicker moisturizer is going to be more oil, and a thinner moisturizer is going to be more water. So like a lotion would be more water and a ointment would be more oil. And so Vaseline is a wonderful moisturizer. When I was on faculty at Children's Hospital, we used to admit children for who had really bad eczema or rashes and we would give them bleach baths and then we would soak them with Crisco and wrap them with saran wrap or sauna suits because Crisco is a great moisturizer. Really? Yeah, I know it's crazy, but it really it really is a good moisturizer. I personally don't use Crisco, but I do like plain moisturizers in a jar. You want to avoid a lot of fragrance in your moisturizer. You really want to use your perfume on your clothing and not on your skin because one of the biggest contact allergens to the skin is fragrance. And so you want to make sure your moisturizer doesn't contain any fragrance. I tell people the thicker, the plainer, the better when it comes to moisturizer. When should you start all this? In your teens, your twins? I have started my children on it from when they were early teenagers. It's never too late to start. So today is a great day if you haven't started yet to start today. But the earlier you start, the better. Kind of like saving for retirement. You know, you get a better return on your investment if you start saving early, like in your 20s. But even if you don't start savings until your 40s, you can still have some good retirement savings when you're older. So even if you wait till your 40s to start good skincare, you're still going to get some benefit. Now there's over-the-counter retin, retinol, retinol. Mm-hmm. and then there's prescription retin-A. 
When do you go from over-the-counter to prescription? So that is a great question. So if you're if you don't have access to a dermatologist, then you can start with over-the-counter. If you have very sensitive skin or you just kind of want to slowly tip your toe into this water, then you can start with over-the-counters. And my favorite over-the-counter used to actually be a prescription, but is now available without a prescription over-the-counter. And that is a dappling gel, also known as Differin gel. And that is a phenomenal topical retinoid that would give you great results. We sell physician-grade retinol at our clinic that is mixed with antioxidants so that you can tolerate more. And then the other prescription-straight topical vitamin A's are also very good. And those are going to be strong. But a dappling over-the-counter is going to be your best bet without a prescription or without seeing a dermatologist. I want to go back to anti-aging. Yes. <laughs> but let's talk about some other issues maybe first because aging can be maybe take up a lot of time. What if someone had discoloration? What could you and your clinic do for them? What is the science behind getting rid of that? Yes. So there's many causes for discolorations. When people say that, I, without looking at them, I presume we're talking about brown discolorations, mm-hmm. not the reddish or the mm-hmm. other colors. Right. So like sun damage. Yes. Okay, mm-hmm. great. Perfect. Mm-hmm. And so people get brownish discolorations for a few different reasons. One reason is melasma, which can be genetic, hormonal, and environmental. And that's going to be kind of patchy, blotchy on the cheeks, above the lip, the sides of the face, the forehead. Some people will get brown brownish spots kind of scattered called lentigos and then and there's other brown spots and then some people get just this generalized kind of diffuse we call it dispigmentation or hyperpigmentation just from chronic sun exposure and so the first thing you want to do is you want to prevent it from worsening so you want to do all of those preventative skincare stuff we talked about avoiding sun and I didn't mention this earlier, but definitely avoid tanning beds. You know, any excess sun you definitely want to avoid. I needed to know that in my 20s. <laughs> I know, we, a lot of us. <laughs> but avoid avoid peak sun, avoid as much sun as you can. And then at, for what I tell my friends and myself and other people is we have really two seasons to treat discolorations. One is between March and September, so kind of spring and summer. And then the other is September to March, so fall and winter. Spring and summer, our goal is to just not get worse. And so we want to do as much as we can to prevent any unintentional or intentional sun exposure, use our topical retinol, use our sun protection, use our sun smart behaviors, use some of the non-prescription lightening agents that will not cause you harm. Then in the fall and winter, switch to something more aggressive. So hydroquinone is a prescription available. You can get it in non-prescription strength, but that doesn't really do anything. You can get it in prescription strength to really help lighten that skin and, and increase that cell turnover. And you can mix that with other products. You can only use hydroquinone in the U.S. for up to 12 weeks at a time because we know it can actually make it worse after that. So you want to be careful with hydroquinone, but we have some non-hydroquinone options that work great that you can use all year long. And then we offer some energy kisses. So we offer some different lasers, microneedling, chemical peels, 
lasers, and other treatments. A lot of people um, come to us asking for a chemical peel to treat their discoloration, and that's really not one of my favorite treatments for discoloration. And the reason why is some people have discoloration on the surface, and then a peel would help. But most people have discoloration deep in the dermis. And a chemical peel, if you're going to peel that deep, you're high risk of scarring and downtime. Whereas if you if you lighten that discoloration that's deep with a laser or an energy kiss, you can really kind of bring it to the surface without any downtime or minimal downtime and minimal risk. So what does a laser or the microneedling do? How does that get rid of the discoloration? So microneedling causes little channels or, or kind of little bores through the skin that help passively exfoliate that discoloration to come out, kind of come out through the skin and go out without any energy, just kind of mechanical force. And, and then the laser, the, we have quite a few different lasers, but my favorite laser for discoloration is one of our tattoo lasers. And it, it hits the skin super fast and it breaks up the pigment and allows your body to chomp it up and eat it up and make it go away. What happens is some of those pigment molecules are so large, your body can't get rid of them on their own. So if we can break them up kind of um, with like a jackhammer would, but we do that with the laser, we, your body can then take that pigment and eat it up and make it go away. Okay. I hear women complain all the time. Well, prob- not that men wouldn't complain, but... <laughs> Women are in a mirror quite often. Mm-hmm. Poor size. What can you do? Can you reduce poor size? You can reduce poor size. And um, that is a very common issue and a very sensitive issue. So some of your poor size is determined genetically, but our pores get larger by doing things people don't realize. So using lots of thick liquid makeup plugs your pores and those pores get inflamed and larger. So thick liquid makeup will make pores larger. Those pore strips or picking at your pores actually gets the, the, the plug in the pore out, but causes some inflammation and can also make your pores larger. So those things people think are helping, but are actually hurting and making their pores larger. Passive exfoliation is great to reduce pores. So your topical retinol again, your topical adapalene. Over time, that thickens that collagen and shrinks that pore, making that collagen around there thicker. So that's a better way to shrink pores. And then lasering and energy kisses really help to shrink pores. Is sagging skin age-related? So sagging skin can be genetic and environmental and chronological. So so some people have a genetic predisposition to be more saggier than others, but a lot of it is how we take care of our skin. So if if your collagen, which is kind of what holds it all together, and your elastin, which is what makes it stretchy in your dermis, as those get damaged by, usually by toxins or UV light, then you're going to be a little bit more saggy. And I would say we really didn't have good treatments for saggy skin until maybe three to five years ago. And now we have much better treatments for that. I notice sagging skin, I I think people relate it to growing older. You get the jowls and you get the the neck. And that seems to be a, a prominent place where people, you kind of droop. Right, right. It's, it's like gravity just, just pulls you down. Gravity wins. Yes. So what would you do for that? 
So one of the biggest concerns we have from people, like you said, is the jowls and the loose skin here. So my favorite treatment and something that I had done personally a couple weeks ago, again, not for the first time, but again, was to put a filler up here. So what we do is this was down here and we tack it back up up here into kind of the temple area. So we replace it where it used to be and we pull everything up. That is one of my favorite treatments. The filler that, I, that was used on me was Voluma. In Voluma, I love it because it's immediate and it lasts two years. It's in the Juvederm family. It's a hyaluronic acid, which is naturally found in your dermis. So it's very pure. You don't have to do any testing. Another one that we commonly use is called Sculptra. Sculptra was first indicated for HIV lipoatrophy. So patients with HIV had a very gaunt mm-hmm. looking face and this helped them to look more normal, but then it's now used in the aesthetic industry. And so it kind of replaces all of that, pulls it back up and fills it in. An interesting side story. So I learned how to do Sculptra, I don't know, over 10 years ago. And the, the person who taught me was actually Courtney Cox's injector. I could say this without violating mm-hmm. HIPAA because mm-hmm. she knows. And so I don't know if you remember Friends, but when yes. Courtney Cox was thin, her face looked gaunt and kind of sad, but her booty looked good. This is, this is what he mm-hmm. used to say. Mm-hmm. But when she put on a little weight, her face looked good, but her booty looked a little big. And so, yes. And so when Sculpture became available, she got, she would try to keep her body, her weight down so her booty looked good and then just fill her face with Sculptra. So so now we can really get the best of everything with all of the fillers and the products we have on the market. Where all can you use fillers in the face? In the face, I'll go top down. So I okay. love to put a filler up here in the in the hairline to do what we call a liquid brow lift. So a lot of people have a very loose forehead and droopy eyebrows. So by putting filler in the hairline, you can really raise those brows and stretch out those lines and give a nice open look. Um, very skinny women tend to get what we call temporal wasting or on the outside of their eyebrow, they get a very kind of indentation here and it makes them look kind of sickly or old. So we can put a lot of filler in there. We can fill in some lines between the eyes. A lot of people like that treatment. That's a pretty high risk area, but we do that. My favorite place is to put it on the lateral cheekbones because it really pulls the face up. A lot of times after I get that, people ask me if I lost weight because it kind of reshapes and slims your face. We, I love to put fillers here in the mid cheeks, but we don't want that cheeky look. It's not really in. When I first started learning how to do fillers in the 1990s, we used to put it kind of in the nasolabial fold here. We don't really do that anymore. It just kind of makes people look bloated or unnatural. Mm-hmm. The jawline is very popular place to have fillers now because it pulls back that jowls and it reshapes the face. In 2021 is called the year of the chin in the in the beauty industry because we learned that especially thin white women with osteoporosis or thin but their bones thinning, their chin recedes and their jawline mm-hmm. recedes. And so things sag more. And so by putting filler in the chin, we can pull it out and we can help the neckline and the jawline look more attractive and give some structure here. And so these marionette lines or the lines down from here look more natural and they'll go away. So a strong chin is very powerful. Those are probably the most popular places in the face. Oh, the earlobes are very popular because a lot of times people's um, ear, you know, your earlobes yeah. 
get longer. Yes, your earlobes get longer as we age, and so your earrings start to drop. So we'll put filler in the earlobes. The chest is a very popular place to have fillers put in because a lot of people have crinkly lines, and so we can make that look better. Fillers on the back of the hands are very popular because people don't like the lines or the vessels or the blood vessels in the hands. And then the booty lift is very popular right now. So um, you do those? We do some booty lifts with filler. Yes, Mm ma'am. I would think that would take a lot of filler. It takes a lot of filler. (laughs) So filler, you know, as the name suggests, it Mm -hmm. is, it's plumping, it's plumping your skin. Yes. So what is the science behind that? How is it safe? And what you said one had hyaluronic acid in Mm -hmm. it. And then how long do they last? That is a great question. So fillers, like I said, in the 1990s when I started injecting, were made of collagen and either human or bovine or um, animal collagen. And so those lasted about three months. The hyaluronic acids, I believe there are more than 15 or 17 of them FDA approved in the U.S., And those last anywhere from six months to about 24 months on average, depending on which one you use. And the hyaluronic acid products, even though there's so many, they're different on how thick they are, how stretchy they are, where they should be placed um, in the dermis for the desired results or in the lips. I can't believe I forgot to mention lips. I I was going to bring you back to lips. Yes, (laughs) I forgot. Um, We inject a lot of filler in the Mm -hmm. lips. And we could talk about that a long time Yes, because when we inject lips, some people need structure around their lips. Mm -hmm. Some people need the commissures, the corners injected. Some people need the lip edges because their lipstick runs. And so the red, white line needs to be enhanced. Some people need pouty lips. Some people are asymmetric. So we need to even them out. The lower lip should be 1.6 times larger than the upper lip. And the proportion should be, you know, the middle versus the side. So lips are one of my favorite artistic things to inject. And I think at our clinic, we're really good at injecting lips, maybe partially because we are um, such a high volume injector. We So many people trust us, which I'm so forever indebted, but we end up correcting a lot of people that have had injections somewhere else where maybe there was a complication. And so I think it helps us to learn more about what to do and what not to do when we have to dissolve or get rid of what somebody else has done and then try to make that better for the patient or the person. Yes, so we learn a lot about that. And an important point that you just brought up was Mm -hmm. to have a trusted and experienced and professional injector. Yes. So that you don't end up with mistakes and you know, not proportionate. Have you ever turned anyone down? I have encouraged a few people that I would think they would get better results somewhere else than with me because they wanted something that I didn't think was very natural or normal looking because they're walking out with my name on it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's beautiful, but I like that. It's important for us to talk about the legal implications of injecting. In the state of Arkansas, injection of any substance into the skin, whether it be Botox or fillers, or even the use of a laser of any sort is considered a medical procedure. And in the state of Arkansas, you must see a physician before being treated with one of those treatments. And it must be performed in a medical facility. So being treated in somebody's kitchen, for example, is breaking the law. Or if you get treated by somebody without seeing a physician first or being treated by a physician, that is also breaking the law. And yeah, they're medical procedures. They're serious medical treatments. 
What do you think has been the biggest breakthrough in science affecting the beauty industry? Hmm. Do I have to pick just one biggest breakthrough? Yeah. I think the injection of hyaluronic acid into the skin has really revolutionized how we look at the skin and the aging face and making us look more natural. Before that, we really had surgery and CO2 laser, which are both phenomenal, but are very invasive and have a very large recovery time. And injection of hyaluronic acid, you can look great in an hour. And, you know, there's a risk of bruising, but I mean, it really helps us instead of just turn back the clock, stop the clock, you know, so we can really, I think injection of hyaluronic acid is, is a great invention. And I would say the improvement of lasers and energy devices over the past five years, I mean, it has changed the way I practice. You know, I've been using lasers for over 20 years and what we can do now versus what we could do a long time ago is crazy. Let's talk about the different types of lasers. Mm -hmm. what, what lasers do you have and what does each one target something different? Do you get different results? So that is a great question. So I think we have more than 15 different energy devices at our clinic. And when I first started, we only had lasers. So a laser is a single wavelength that targets a specific chromophore or specific target. So when I first started using lasers in the 90s, we had CO2 lasers, which target water, which is pretty much everything. So you get a very, almost like a burn victim look, but it remodels the collagen. I mean, the results are beautiful, but it's very intensive. The pulse dye laser, which targets blood, and anything red, which is still my favorite laser of all time. So we have two of them at our clinic because I love them so much. The pulse dye laser can do so many different things. And, and then there's the hair reduction lasers that have been around quite a while, and those target the pigment in the hair. And now we have, I say energy devices, because now we use ultrasound and we use cold to, to accomplish like freezing the fat, or we can use ultrasound to get rid of the fat. We use radio frequency to tighten the skin, to get rid of cellulite. We have so many different machines, yes. And now we can alter not just the wavelength or what device we use, but we can alter how long we give that energy. And so by changing that, we can, we can affect how deep we penetrate into the skin or how quickly we penetrate into the skin. What are typical results from yes. from a good laser therapy, say, mm -hmm. you know, I don't know how many sessions, but at the end of yes. your, your sessions, mm -hmm. what can you expect? So I would mention the pulse dye laser again. So we use that for medical and cosmetic indications. And so most people have seen somebody who has a purple birthmark maybe on their face or on their, somewhere on the body, called a port wine stain. And we can usually get rid of that in, I don't want to say totally get rid of it, but probably about 80 to 90% improvement after five treatments. Another one would be a tattoo. 
you know, some, let's just say you got a tattoo that you don't like. We do have something called the morning after tattoo treatment that let's just say you were out that night and the next morning you didn't like your tattoo. We can help you with that if you come in right away quicker. But let's say you've had a tattoo 20 years ago on your low back and it doesn't quite look the same anymore because of gravity or other issues. We have one of our, we have two lasers for tattoo removal and we can do that anywhere from three to 10 treatments, depending on the tattoo and make it totally go away without scarring. What about microneedling? Mm -hmm. So there are many microneedling devices available. Some of them you can use at home or in a spa, and those are not FDA-approved or medical-grade microneedling devices. Should you do that? Can Uh, you do it safely at home? I think if your machine is good and you're well-educated and you follow it according to instructions, you could probably do it safely. How effective it is... I don't know. It's not regulated, you know, Mm -hmm. and so I I don't know what you're getting. But I do know that ours, we only offer FDA-approved medical-grade skin. We use the skin pen Mm -hmm. as our microneedling device. And the -the over-the-counter ones or the spa ones can go down to maybe 0.05 or 0.03 deep in the skin. And ours, we can go down to two millimeters deep. So that's a pretty significant difference. Mm -hmm. But to have that, you have to be seen by a healthcare provider, such as myself, a board-certified dermatologist. But we can go pretty deep, and we can get rid of scars. We can get rid of um, some stretch marks. We can get rid of brown spots, discoloration, large pores. And those results are pretty remarkable. One of my favorite conditions to treat is acne scarring. And the results can be truly life-changing for somebody. Where all can you microneedle? We limit it mostly to the face, neck, and chest, but you can treat other areas if needed. Do you see results after one time? For our microneedling, I saw results after one time. One of the benefits or risks of being a dermatologist or working in a dermatology clinic or being a relative of a dermatologist is we never offer something to patients without first having it done on ourselves, our family members, our employees, our team members first. And so so I had one microneedling device treatment to make sure I liked this machine and this device. And yeah, I saw results after one treatment. I was actually pleasantly surprised at the difference in how my products penetrated my skin after the microneedling and the results I got from my skincare products being able to actually go through those little channels and get better plumping and treatments to my skin. How do we encourage collagen? Yes. So, you know, it is. And so the one of the more popular things recently are collagen supplements and collagen in drinks. I've looked into some of that because it's not really regulated. I haven't found any true trusted research to to support or refute that. So I don't have an opinion on collagen supplementation. It's hard to penetrate collagen if you put it on your skin. You know, you need it actually infused into your skin to do anything. And like I said before, when we used to inject collagen, it only lasts about three months. So that's that's not really cost effective or efficient. We do know that you can apply growth factors to your skin to help re-give the signal to tell your collagen to be the good type of collagen again, firm, tight, and less wispy. You know, we want it nice and firm and tight. So growth factors help with that as well as peptides. 
And so if you can add, if you want thicker, more juicy looking skin, then make sure you're incorporating growth factors and peptides into your skincare regimen as your treatment step, step two. Is there anyone who should avoid growth hormones? Oh, so growth hormones are different than growth factors. Okay. So growth hormone, I do not, I am not involved in the use of any growth hormones. Okay. And those can have systemic effects. We use growth factors and we use them topically. My favorite growth factor is tissue nutrient system or TNS, which can be found in the Skin Medica line and maybe some other skincare lines. That has the best science behind it and comes from the human of human foreskin like 20 years ago. And so it's tested, it's, 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 well-known what it does and really works. So I like those growth factors. The other thing we do is we can inject platelet-rich plasma, which uses your own growth factors. So for example, I'm having platelet-rich plasma or PRP injections injected into my scalp to help my hair grow. So what we do is we draw your blood and spin it down and get those growth factors that are found in your blood and inject them into for my in my condition in my scalp to tell my scalp hair to grow. So I'm using my own growth factors to get the results that I want. You can inject those into other areas and we do that with microneedling to help those growth factors to get into your dermis to tell your collagen to grow and that's about as natural as you can get. So why would you have more growth factors in one area of your body versus another? Yes. So um, I can get really technical, but kind of normal. I think somebody has told me many times I've heard that if you understand something, you can explain it simply. So what happens with as we get older, so at about age 20, we start breaking things down more than we start making them. So until we're about 20, we're really in a growth phase of our life. We grow our collagen, we grow our bones, we grow we grow everything. We grow taller, you know, we just grow. At about age 20, something happens and we start breaking things down in addition to growing. And so, and that pendulum kind of sweeps, kind of shifts a little bit. Your blood constantly turning over always have good growth factors in your blood. You know, you're making red blood cells. They turn over every, I think, 120 days, if I remember correctly. You know, those cells are rapidly turning over. They're rapidly growing. So you have good growth factors there and on your platelets. And so if you can take them from where they were and put them where you want them, you can tell things to change. This is being used a lot in sports and in athletes. I'm sure you've heard Mm -hmm. about growth factors and platelet-rich plasma Mm -hmm. being injected into joints to help get the get them stimulated and get them to regenerate and grow. That field of medicine is called regenerative medicine. It's a growing, rapidly evolving specialty. People just want to fight the clock, fight aging. Yes. And be at at their optimum performance and their optimum beauty. And let's talk about Botox. Yes. I love Botox. So, Mm -hmm. you know, we, I love beauty. I love skin. I love aging. What we know, according to research, is that optimal age for beauty is age 44. Mm. I used to give talks where I would say, I can't wait to be the optimal age of beauty at age 44. Well, now I'm past that. (laughs) And so, but I I think the age you are is the best age to look. Mm -hmm. And yes. And so that's, you know, feel good in your skin to talk about Botox. So Botox um, is a muscle relaxer and is a neurotoxin. And I remember in the mid-1990s, a dermatologist and an ophthalmologist from Canada, the Dr. Carruthers, realized when they were injecting Botox for muscle spasms that people looked more youthful. 
And that's how Botox Cosmetic came about. Now in the U.S., there are four FDA-approved neurotoxins, or these muscle relaxers. Botox Cosmetic, which everybody knows. Then came Dysport. Dysport spreads a little bit more than Botox, so it gives you a little bit more smooth look. Xeomin, which is another alternative. We don't really offer that one at our clinic anymore. And then Juvo, which is very similar to Botox and is called the Modern Tox. All of these last about three months on average, and they relax the muscle. They take about two weeks to work, and they last about three months. What I encourage people to do is to give yourself some muscle memory, kind of like I work out and do bicep curls to try to make larger biceps, and if I do that regularly, my muscle learns how to act. If you do Botox regularly for two years, you can retrain your muscles to be softer and smaller, and so then you don't need quite as much Botox for that relaxed look. Um, So I recommend Botox every three months for about two years and then as needed after that. For some people, that's still every three months. For other people, I have a few patients that come about once or twice a year just to keep that result. At what age could you start Botox to not have lines yes. later on. So so you're exactly right, Julie. You want to use Botox to prevent those lines. Once you have them, they're much harder to get rid of. So the earlier you start Botox, the better your results are going to be. I inject my son since he's been 19 with Botox in his armpits to help prevent sweating. So, and I have a few 17-year-olds that I inject Botox for their lines here just because they're they're so strong. They have such big muscles. It just makes you look more relaxed and happier. I think I've been getting Botox personally for about 15 to 20 years, probably. Wow. Mm -hmm. And Botox does more than just prevent the lines between your eyes. So it was first FDA approved for the lines between your eyes, what we call the 11s. It's approved for the forehead lines, for the crow's feet. One place where it's not FDA approved, but we use it a lot, is for TMJ. You know, a lot of people, especially when times are tough, we clench that jaw and, and and people get tense here and they get headaches. And we do a lot of Botox here for TMJ, a lot at our clinic. These necklines, some people really don't like those. We put Botox in those so it softens the neck and makes it look a little bit more youthful. We do it for sweating. We do it for the lip lines around the lip. A very popular treatment, I would say, for the past maybe year to two years is something called the lip flip. You just inject a couple of small units of Botox into the actual lip muscle, and when you smile, it flips out, and it gives you a more um, larger lip when you smile. It looks very pretty. I'm going to kind of like break the face down. Yes. And what what someone my age or younger or older Mm -hmm. may want to do, okay, let's say you have a forehead and you you have wrinkles. What would you do? Besides bangs? If we're talking about the forehead, yes. So I just I, got bangs. So when I, when I am, I'm just teasing. That's the first yeah. question I yeah. ask when talking about foreheads. Mm-hmm. So when I look at somebody and we're talking about, it's the first time we're meeting. Mm-hmm. And I like people to think about what are your top three concerns? If you can enhance or change three things about you, what would it be? And then look in the mirror. Mm-hmm. And then, and I listen to those concerns. And then I like to look at somebody from the head down mm-hmm. and then from side to side because we're not symmetric. Mm -hmm. And we do know that we, for most people, not everybody, but your left side of your face tends to be more expressive than your right side of the face. And then if you drive a lot and you never wore sunblock, your left side of your face is going to be a lot more damaged than your right side of the face. And then whichever side you sleep on, 
it's not going to be even. That side's going to be a little flatter. And it seems that more women sleep on their left side than their right. I don't know why, but so that left side, so we want to look side to side. So when I'm looking at somebody, the first thing I want to do is symmetry and make people look more even side to side or top to bottom. And so that's what we look at. So if looking at a forehead, if somebody has a tight forehead with a lot of lines and arched brows, then we'll probably talk about some Botox or neurotoxin for, or muscle relaxer for that. If somebody has a really loose forehead and their, their brows are low, probably put some filler in there to help raise that back up. If somebody has a lot of large, like lots of large pores there or texture change, then probably a laser or an energy kiss of some sort is what I would do. Okay, now the eye area, upper and lower. Yes, yes. So oh. the eyes have it. That's what they say, mm-hmm. right? And so we do a lot of Botox around the eyes to open it up. We use some filler around the eyes. I think that is a tricky place. One of the things we I like to do more is stretch out the skin around the eye. I think it looks a little bit more natural if I'm using fillers. Eye creams, really, creams make a really big impact around the eyes because that skin is so thin. And so if you're in the eyelid skin and the neck skin is very sensitive. And so a good eye product can really make a big difference around the eyes. And probably the most One of the most popular treatments we do at our clinic of everything combined is a treatment called sublative around the eyes, which is somewhat like microneedling mixed with radio frequency, and it stimulates the collagen around the eyes. So you get about a millimeter or two rays of the upper eyelid, a stretch of the lower eyelid. It gives a very natural, it's your own collagen enhancing, and so you get a very nice look around your eyes, and I think that's really pretty. Upper eyelid blepharoplasty in surgery is a very easy, common procedure. I did them in residency, but because I don't do them every day, I don't think I should be doing your blepharoplasty. I think you should go to somebody who does blepharoplasty every day if you're going to have it done. I think, and I think that's true for any cosmetic procedure. You know, they say it takes 10,000 hours to get good at something. And, you know, if I'm not doing a procedure every day, you don't want me doing it on you. You know, I inject Botox multiple times a day, fillers multiple times a day. That you want me doing for you. Is there a, a point where all these procedures when, when do you know that you need to go under the knife? That is a great question. You know, it's interesting, being a member of the American Society of Dermatologic Surgery, They work. we work very closely with the American Society of Plastic Surgery, and we look at which procedures are most common and what are the most, you know, commonly done procedures. Facelifts have really gone down in, in, in usage or in desire because you can do so much more with liquid in with fillers and skincare products and lasers. I think for the neck lifts, I think that surgery surgery almost always wins. I think for the face, it kind of depends. If you're a very skinny white woman and you pull it really tight, it's going to look unnatural, you know? But if you kind of have a full face and you can pull it tight and cut out that excess skin, that might look really good. And so a lot of times that matters. If you have a very thin chin, you know, a chin implant really might be the way to go. We have some great plastic surgeons in our area that I tell people, you know, if this is your first time and you're not sure what you want to do, have a consult from me, have a consult from one of them, and determine a good action plan for you, and determine how you want to look in one year, five years, ten years, and we can do that together. I love and I'm honored that I have partnered with so many people 
for so many years, and they look better now than they did 25 years ago. And I hear that from people say that sometimes about me. I know that sounds a little bit cocky, but you know, the more you, touches you do to yourself, the more you turn back that clock. Mm-hmm. You know, if you do a facelift, that's a one-time touch. You know, if you don't do your skincare every day, or you don't invest with with regular treatments. You know, you can do a major transmission overhaul in your car, but if you don't change the oil regularly, it's still not going to run really good. What would you advise for someone who had, they needed rejuvenation just all around the mouth to make it look like they were smiling and not <laughs> not frowning? And maybe they had the, the vertical lines and maybe they had marionette lines. What all... What all can be done there? Yes, so that is a great question. And so the first thing I would look at is, do you have structure of your upper lip or do you need some structure there? Is your lower lip pushed in farther than your upper lip? So a lot of times what we do, and today I'm thinking of a patient I saw today who is an absolutely gorgeous woman, but her family says she just looks sad. So we injected a little bit of Botox into this muscle here that pulls the lip corners down and that just gives you a little bit of lift up. And then we put some fill kind of in this what we call pre-gel sulcus and filled that in so that there's structure here to hold up the lip corners and by holding up the lip corners you just look happier you know I think that's really pretty a lot of times we'll do like a I call it a K kiss for the lip corners where we'll put some filler here and then in the upper and lower lips and just kind of pull all of that up so it looks more natural one of my favorite injections is right outside of what we call the nasolabial fold in this lip corner here is put a little bit of filler you can feel there's a bone right here and we put a little bit of filler here just to pull it up and it really just turns up that lip corner, just pops right into place. That's one of my favorites. Okay, let's talk about cheek and and a chiseled jawline. Yes. Chiseled jawline is one of my favorite things to do. And I I approach it differently than many people do. Kybella is FDA approved to permanently get rid of the fat under the chin, what some people call the zoom chin Mm -hmm. or submental fat. So it's FDA approved here and it works great. But where I use Kybella the most is for these jowls. This is off label, but we inject it into the jowl and it's very cost effective and it's permanent. And so, and so we can really, once we get rid of this fat that's hanging down here, some people that's all they need. And then they look good permanently. I mean, if things sag, we might do a touch up again, but that's very cost effective and very high satisfaction. Some other people, their jawline is so, it's gotten kind of weak as we got older. So I'll put a little bit of filler back here and the jawline on that bone and pull it back. And it gives a very nice Cleopatra-like jawline look. Neck. Yes. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> There's so many things that yes. <laughs> that can uh, go south with the neck. <laughs> I like the way you said that, Julie. Uh, uh-huh. What would you do? Okay. So eyelid skin and neck skin is the most sensitive to skincare products. So if you've never used anything before, you want to start very slowly with sun protection and then maybe some peptides and growth factors and maybe some antioxidants. If you've used products for a long time, like I have, I put mine, so when I put my products on, I put it on the tip of my finger, and then I'll do a dot on my forehead, a dot on my nose, a dot on my chin, and on both cheeks, and then rub that all in, and then whatever's left, I put around 
on my eyes and on my neck and on my chest. If you've never done that before, it's going to cause a rash and some irritation, but I've been doing that a long time. So if you have not, I would go ahead and start with an eye cream or a neck cream, but if you have, then use your products on your neck. Stimulate that collagen, get it as firm and tight as you can, and then maybe use some lasers that stimulate collagen. You want to be careful because the neck skin is thin, so it, it burns very easy and you can have some complications there. If you have a lot of those thick bands in the neck, they're called platysmal bands. We can inject those with Botox and that softens and looks really pretty. If you have that zoom chin that we talked about or that double chin, then Kybella is permanently gets rid of that. There are a lot of people that put filler in the neck. I don't think it's quite natural looking, so that's one of the very few things that I don't I don't really like to do filler in the neck. You mentioned earlier the vertical lines on the chest. Maybe there's sun damage and discoloration, what all can be done for the chest area? Yes. So in first of all, we want to make sure there's no skin cancers on the chest if we're talking about sun damage. So we see that a lot. So sometimes I'll do a medical treatment on the chest with a cream or with a treatment called photodynamic therapy because we want to get rid of any precancerous changes on the ne- on the chest. Same true for the face, but especially on the chest, people don't realize they can get skin cancer on the chest. And so we want to get rid of any potential skin cancers. And sometimes we'll do intense pulse light or some radio frequency to stimulate some collagen there. And then if somebody has a lot of that crinkle between the between the breasts, I love to put filler there. It just pops it right out and looks so pretty. And because it's not a high traffic area, high motion area, the filler lasts quite a while. If someone visited your office, is there kind of anything that you cannot treat? Does modern science have a solution for almost every issue now? I, I don't know. I don't know. I think we... We try. I think we have we partner with some other great physicians in the community. Like you said, sometimes you you need surgery mm-hmm. or you need something else. So I don't like to I like to under promise and over deliver. And if I don't think I can over deliver, then I'm going to encourage you to go somewhere else. I think for most things we can definitely enhance or improve and take advantage of those opportunities. I know that you have a new machine or a new procedure that blasts fat. (laughs) I I just like to say that. Let's blast fat. I'm good with blasting fat, yes. How does that work? So there have been many devices to blast fat through the years. We purchased one called Ultra Shape Power about four or five years ago. We tested all of the devices that were available at that time, and I was the one who got tested with the UltraShape Power because that was the one I liked the best. Our other providers tried some other machines, but I went down a whole pant size. And we used ultrasound, it uses ultrasound to get rid of fat. And I went down a whole pan size in maybe an inch or two. It's a 32% fat reduction and that's permanent. So I've been able to wear that same size of pants for the past four years that I've never worn before in my life. We now, Cool Sculpting is the brand many people have heard about that freezes the fat. And the Cool Sculpting has been around for quite a while, maybe 12 years, I think. But I wasn't very impressed with that technology, but they changed it and now there's Cool Sculpting sculpting elite that they've changed how it delivers the the cold and it works really well and I'm very excited so I had cool sculpting elite done it sucks the fat and and freezes it so I had it done on my flanks on Monday and I can't wait to see the results I feel like it's a little bit better already but I won't know the full extent for a month or so 
So does your body absorb that? So what happens is you're only, you're born with so many fat cells and you can't make more. And so they can get larger, they can get smaller, you can suck them out like liposuction, or you can destroy them with ultrasound or heat or cold. We know that heat doesn't work very well. There's actually been a lawsuit with the FDA from that company. So we know heat doesn't work very well, but we know ultrasound and cold work very, very well. And it just destroys those fat cells and it makes them small. And then your macrophages or your attack cells, kind of your Pac-Man white blood cells in your body come and chomp up that fat and take it away and you get rid of it that way. So those fat cells are gone. So they can, gone forever. Gone forever. So and Kybella destroys them also. So they're gone forever. They can't come back. And so you'll never have big fat in that area. Liposuction sucks them out. And so these are all ways to get rid of those fat cells so they're not there anymore. And then your other fat cells, if you gain weight, will get larger, but you don't have fat cells there to get larger again. It's permanent. The other new exciting thing, it was on the Today Show yesterday morning, is something called Quo. Quo is the first FDA-approved injection to get rid of cellulite. And mm. cellulite has been a problem for women forever since 90% of women get cellulite. And this is the first FDA-approved injection to get rid of cellulite. It works magically. The before and afters are phenomenal. We, the company only chose five injectors in all of Arkansas and Oklahoma, and we were one of the five they injected or that they chose. And so we've been injecting Quo into the buttocks and thighs of women who want to get rid of cellulite now for a little over a month. And how does that work? So it's called enzymatic subcision and remodeling, and it's a product called collagenase, and it it eats up the collagen. So cellulite is due to thick, fibrous collagen bands right where we want them, and then the fat cells kind of poke up through there. And so this destroys those collagen bands, and then that skin, instead of being lumpy, bumpy, and dimply, is turns out to be smoother and tighter and firmer. Wow. Science has come in a long way. It's come a long way, yes. And it's we're honored that we're the only one in the River Valley to offer. You have, I think, posed solutions for a lot of issues that I think people have. How would people find you? Where are you on the web? Where is your clinic? Talk about your clinic. Where are you on social media? Great. Thank you. So we are Johnson Dermatology Clinic. And we are at Riley Farm. We are in the we were in the first LEED certified medical clinic in the whole state of Arkansas. It looks like a barn, and we're all under one roof. So it's there's nine of us providers: Dr. Brad Johnson, who does mostly skin cancer surgeries; myself, Dr. Sandy Johnson; Dr. Chelsea Meltzer, who's a Fort Smith local person. She played basketball at Southside in Purdue, and she chose to come home and work with us. And we're honored because. She's truly a gem. She's brilliant and phenomenal. And one physician assistant named Honey Schomburg, who's been with us about 10 years, and she loves mostly treating patients with psoriasis and eczema and hydradenitis, which is a miserable skin condition, and three nurse practitioners, Nina Copeland, who almost everybody knows because she's um, pretty much nationally known on social media and as an injector for Botox and fillers, Scarlett Selkirk, who does a lot of research at our clinic, we, I think we're offering 12 clinical trials currently at our clinic. 
and Elizabeth Cabrera, who is another awesome nurse practitioner who came from Mercy here in Fort Smith and who does surgical, cosmetic, and general dermatology at our clinic, and Dr. Amy Hudson, who's a board-certified dermatopathologist. So when we do a biopsy, we have our own dermatopathologist who can look at it under the microscope. And so we all work together at Johnson Dermatology Clinic. And we have a website, johnsondermatology.com. We are on Facebook as both Johnson Dermatology and Johnson Dermatology Clinical Trials. So if you're interested in getting free treatment or paid for your care or interested in just advancing science, there's a lot of stuff on Johnson Dermatology Clinical Trials. On Instagram for Johnson Dermatology and Johnson Dermatology Clinical Trials. And I believe we're on TikTok and YouTube and Snapchat, but I'm not cool enough to do all of that. We have some of our awesome, cooler team members take care of all of that. Is there anything that we didn't cover today that would be valuable to listeners to know? I like everybody to know that they are perfect and beautiful the way God made them. Your inner beauty is always what should shine out forward. We are all skintastic in our own perfect way, but if you know, we're also temples of God. And mm-hmm. so if you want to make your temple a little bit prettier, a little bit more attractive, please come see us. We have complimentary free consultations. We love to talk about skincare, how to use your products, injections. We want everybody to feel as fantastic as they should be. And it's, I feel so blessed to be able to do what I do. And I'm so thankful to our community who trusts us to take care of their skin. Yes. And another good point you made is that everyone is beautiful. Yes. And there are things available that can enhance that, and there's science to back it up. And thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Julie. It's been an honor. You've been listening to Rise Up with Julie Baumgartner. Thank you for listening today. Rise up and let's be the best that we can be. And listen to this podcast that will both motivate and educate. Thank you. Thank you.